Welcome to episode 49 of the Current Backloggers. The date is January 14th. I'm your host, KCP. And if you are not watching on YouTube, if you're listening on podcasts, it's just me today. No Cody G, sadly. But he will be back next week for episode 50. Absolutely crazy that we are one episode away from being to episode 50 and halfway to 100, which is seems unbelievable to me maybe to you guys let me know actually to you guys that watch or listen i know most if not all of you are people we know personally but still how does it feel to you guys does it feel like we've been doing this forever or is it kind of crazy that we're already at this point because to me it feels like it's gonna sound corny but it's true like literally just yesterday me and cody started this and also i feel like part of it that uh helps make it feel like that is I feel like we still don't know exactly what we're doing. And every week I'm like, oh yeah, I need to do better at this. And uh, so I feel like that's definitely a part of it. But let me know what you guys think. Before we get into the uh, regular show here, there's a couple things I was going to talk about. I know I mentioned on here a few times that starting this year, I was going to do Extra Life at the beginning of the year and try and do one big stream every month for Extra Life. And then... The uh, game day, which happens in November, do our big stream with me and Cody. He's welcome to join me for all of them, but our schedules are so different and that thing is so time-consuming that I'm guessing he'll probably only be at the game day one in November. But the plan is to do one one a month, like I said, and hopefully around the same time each month, but that I'm kind of going to announce it as I go because obviously this isn't a full-time job, unfortunately, so I kind of got to balance it out with work and regular life. But I planned it out for this month. So my first stream will be January 29th, which is a Friday. We're going to go, or I'm going to go, 14 hours, starting at 10 a.m., ending at 1 a.m. And if you don't watch it live, I'm going to put it on YouTube like normal in seven-hour parts, so two seven-hour parts. And then, like I said, try and do one each month, so maybe next time near the end of February. But that part's not for sure. I'll try and plan it as month by month, but I'll give you guys a heads up when it'll be happening. But yeah, that's our extra life plan. And then right now it's just me on the team. Cody's obviously part of it, but like there's not other actual members like there was last time. So if anybody wants to join in and do your own streaming, let me know, because the more the merrier and makes it more competitive but also fun and competitive in a good way because not trying to one-up each other to be douches or anything one-up each other try and help other people so it's a good time so if you can be there it'll be on this channel so if you turn on the notification bell then you'll notify you when i go live but yeah it'll be january 29th friday at 10 a.m to 1 a.m and then like i said if you're not able to watch it live it'll be on youtube in two seven hour parts and then something totally unrelated to games and stuff that we don't talk about on the podcast a lot because we try to make it more centric to, even if it's not games, to entertainment. And I was going to try and keep this kind of stuff to streaming. But unfortunately, I haven't done kept up with streaming a lot, which I'll get into in a minute here, aside from Extra Life, just regular streaming. But I was going to talk just a second about the... Uh, 
protest and all the theories that are going to happen with the protest at the uh, state house in Columbus, Ohio here. And then the inauguration day in D.C. and throughout all the capitals of the country. And the reason I'm going to mention it is because I feel like it's just uh, in people's brains now that on Sunday the 17th and uh, Wednesday the 20th for the inauguration, that's just going to be massive, the worst thing in the world, and there's just going to be craziness going on. And I couldn't feel more opposite of that. And every time I tell people that, they act like I'm crazy. They're like, really? You think there's nothing's going to happen? I'm like, yeah, I'm telling you, I literally think nothing's going to happen. And at the most, I think there'll be very small instances of things happening. But it'll be blown out of proportion because people will realize that they were wrong and nothing happened. And people don't like being wrong. So they'll do anything to grasp at that. Especially the mainstream media, I know. It turned into like a meme with Donald Trump, but I know you can't say anything that's potentially good about Donald Trump, even somebody that hates him. But that is one thing that's true, and you, that shouldn't be a Donald Trump thing or even a Republican or Democratic thing, which I'm neither of those anyway. So again, I have no camp to fall in there. But it should be pretty obvious how messed up the media is and how they love feeding off negativity as a... You can tell with uh, the virus without getting too deep into that. Anytime there's a glimmer of hope or good news, they find a way to spin it around to negative news. But I could do a whole podcast on that, and uh, you guys know I used to do that at the end of every episode. But I still have my thoughts on that. And uh, But I'm going to try and get this all into streaming. When I start streaming, it turns more casual, which I'm totally okay with, and I love people the few people are able to hang out and talk and everything. So I don't want to just break them with nonsense and political views and the virus and all these things that people are probably so sick of hearing about. But on the same hand, like I said, I feel like I have so many opinions and I don't really share them with anybody because unfortunately it's like a one-track mind on everything. So I felt like that would be one outlet where I could do it. So I feel like I'm going to try and pressure myself into when I'm streaming to not make it a point to do that, but to say what's on my mind and then still get back to casual talking and having fun with games, but also making that my outlet to be able to talk about things like that. But yeah, I really think that nothing is going to happen on either of these days. And I seem to be thought of as a crazy person for that. And obviously I hope I'm right, not to say I'm right, but because I don't think we need any more craziness. And I guess to give some reasoning to that, so it doesn't just sound like I'm trying to be different and be like, well, I don't think anything's going to happen. That's the reason. The reason I don't think, I think it's very logical, and we've seen this play out through history many, many times over, is that people are thinking this, of course, because what happened at the Capitol building just a few days ago but I think what people tend to have a very short-term memory about is that situations like this happen when people aren't expecting it and things get crazy from there, like 9-11 or the, most of the shootings or the, the uh, shooting that happened at the Colorado Theater. 
which I know you could get into your theories about how all this was known and that it was expected, but just going off of what is what is commonly thought to have happened, most of it is not prepared or known to happen, so it's much harder to stop. But as we've seen, sorry, looking at something here, make sure everything's good. As we've seen, like I said, after these kind of things happen, security is so much more ratcheted up and everyone's sensor is so much more heightened that that's all that's on everybody's minds and it's kind of just a given that something's going to happen, but those are almost always the times that nothing happens. I think it's pretty clearly because, like I said, everything's so heightened that it's so much harder to make that happen. And I think it's easy to storm the Capitol and steal property and do all these crazy ass shits as entertaining as it was. It was obviously very depressing and ridiculous and seemed unreal. But I think it's uh, a lot easier to do that when it's unexpected. And I think um, when there's hundreds and hundreds of National Guard walking around with rifles and a shitload of police officers with guns everywhere and Hummers driving around with machine guns on top of them, I think people uh, lose their luster a little bit more and uh, get a little more timid and scared. And I think uh, the other side would say that that's exactly what they want and they want craziness. But I think that only goes so far. I think we even saw that in the Capitol building that even just literally one person getting shot, which I know that he said one person getting shot and everybody make a freak out that you're like, who cares about that one person? But that's not what I'm saying, that you obviously... This could be so much more heightened than just one person getting shot. But we saw with that one person getting shot how fast that turned from, oh, this is crazy and fun and we're just doing wild things to every, everybody fucking panicking. Because it's all fun and games until something serious happens. So that's why I think that people are going to be very surprised that that's not what they think. And like I said, I hope I'm right. Not even just for the sake of being right, but more importantly because we don't need any more craziness. So, getting to one more thing before the uh, before we start the regular show here, but this one is uh, a lot more tied to gaming, um, and this is something mentioned last week, and that's my New Year's resolutions. I'm going to keep these ones um, contained to gaming or at least media, like we do on entertainment on our podcast. So the first one is to be at least a game a month, and hopefully more than that, but. I'm trying to set these at some real, at least realistic goals. So to beat at least one game a month, so at least 12 a year, it doesn't have to be one per month, but at least 12 a year and hopefully and probably a lot more than that, but try and give realistic goals. To keep up with uh, our award show that we'll be doing at the end of this year, like we did this year, or last year I guess now, um, and that's more on my end. I have a doc open, like we do our podcast here, and try and just keep track of everything best I can, like all the movies I saw, all the games I saw, all the ones I think are like going to be top, top contenders. So it wasn't like it was last year where we were kind of like, yeah, I guess we'll throw this in there. And that happened because we weren't doing this throughout all of last year. So I want to try my best to do that. I've always been curious and wanting to do something like that, even aside from the podcast. So this just gives me a good excuse to do that. And then 
this next one is uh, kind of straightforward, but it's to get an Xbox Series X by the end of the year, which you've heard me say on here many times, I still feel this way, that I don't think the next gen, or the current gen, I guess now, is necessary, especially with uh, the games they're offering. But we're starting to see that Microsoft has not been honest, and certain developers have not been honest, and these current, or the last gen, I guess now, sorry, I'm keep going back and forth on that, I'm trying to train myself, that what I have now, the series, or the Xbox One, and the uh, PS4 is the last generation, and now the current gen is PS5 and Series X and Series S. I just don't have them, so it's kind of trying to rework my brain, especially because we've been training this way for now, like seven years, whatever it is, that what we had was the uh, next gen, so it's kind of processing out of that. But yeah, to get the Series X is my goal because, like I said, I was always going to get one if Halo Infinite launched with it. It unfortunately got delayed. But if everything goes as planned, it's coming out this fall. So I need a Series X for Halo. It's coming out, at least the plan is on the old gen. But we're seeing, like I said, the companies were not being honest with that. And my console is already having issues with certain games. So, like I said, that one's pretty straightforward. But that's my goal there. And... I'm also going to try and keep this noted at the end of the year, see how well I followed in any if not, or all if any of these. And um, the next one is streaming, which this is what I was taught, referenced earlier. And that is that uh, aside from the extra life streaming, which that is another goal to make sure I do at least one extra life stream a month. But this is separate from that. This is just my normal streaming that I've done sometimes here and there with certain games. And I want to do that more regularly and get a better understanding of it and hopefully grow an audience if possible. And this is kind of a stretch goal, but maybe by, if I keep sticking up with it, maybe have a, a schedule, because I know that's big for streamers. It's just hard with it not being a job for me. It's just for fun for me. So, that's something I'm not sure about, but something I would like to have happen. And then with how much I, my, uh, it actually used to be an issue, it's not anymore. My old job, how inconsistent schedule was, I would always be working different times. But now my job is the same schedule, but I just take so much overtime on and off that it's hard to have a set schedule for sure. And then obviously, like I said, this isn't my full-time job or a job at all, unfortunately. So... I also had to balance that with family and friends and girlfriend and alone time and everything. So trying to figure that out best I can, but want to get better at that. And then the last one I had on here was something I think I've done really well recently is getting videos up on time. That was an issue for us for a while and still is here and there, but I want to try and make sure I... Uh, keep up with that best I can but that's my New Year's resolutions uh, James I know that you are the one that asked me if we we're gonna do this so if you have any let us know in the comments even if it's not James I'd like to hear from anybody they can be mine or gaming related but you guys can be whatever you want and then we'll get into the normal show here 
I haven't been up to a whole lot this week. I've been working, again, some more overtime. And then I did go to another Columbus Mavericks game, a junior hockey team here, essentially minor league hockey, just to simplify it. But uh, I went with a whole group of friends from work, got a big group to go. And uh, it was fun. It was the first time they lost, so that was a bummer. Especially because, like I said, I got a giant group of people to go. And I was kind of like trying to sell it. And it was still a fun time. And they made it interesting, at least. They uh, looked real bad for a while. And they've never lost when I've seen them. So couldn't pick a worse time to lose. But it was still a fun time. But I think that's all I've been up to this week. Not a whole lot going on. And then we'll get into uh, things we got forgot about from the week before. I forgot one news story here, and this is from IGN, and it says, Nintendo has announced that it will acquire Luigi Mansion 3 developer Next Level Games. Nintendo has been working with the Canadian developer for a long time now, with the relationship stretching all the way back to the release of GameCube title Super Mario Strikers in 2005, which was developed by Next Level Games. I think that would go without saying. Since the studio has all has worked on Mario Strikers Charge and Punch-Out. Oh, since then, the studio has worked on Mario Strikers Charge and Punch-Out. Some of the time, the, they do put nonsense in here, but sometimes how I read it, so I always try and double-check before I make fun of it. And then it says, For the Nintendo Switch, as well as Luigi Mansion Dark Moon and Metroid Prime Federation Force for the Nintendo 3DS. So... The only reason I put this in there is because I think that's a great move because those are some quality titles, but it was more shocking to me that Nintendo didn't already own this company. I I feel like if uh, you look at Nintendo's history, there's a lot of that. Companies that I think even like hardcore gamers just assume Nintendo owns. Which is interesting that these companies just stick around, but I think that shows how different the culture is in Japan and how they value like uh, loyalty and tradition and everything because that's just so opposite of what you see from most companies. Everybody's just jumping ship and going wherever the money's at. And I'm obviously it's still about money too because. By sticking with Nintendo, you're making a shitload of money too, especially if you're making Mario and these kind of games. But I just thought that was interesting. Then the only other thing I uh, forgot here, and this could kind of morph into questions, questions and feedback, which we'll get into, is that I forgot to mention during the free games last week, I totally left some games off the list. I didn't update the list. So I do have that correct this week, so I'll get into that. But it's that kind of morphs into corrections, question, and feedback, which we'll get into here. Um, I know I have one email from James here, but there was one thing I mentioned multiple times last week that I said wrong. And that's why I was talking about the uh, Epic Games story about them have, buying out that mall to uh, build their new corporate office in. And I kept saying the city in North Carolina was Curry. And it's totally pronounced Carrie. I knew that, and even at the time I kept saying it. And then I just got it in my brain and then kept saying it. But it's totally Carrie and not Curry, so I just want to correct that. 
But we're getting the uh, question of the week here from James Beecham. It says, how's it going, guys? Cody's like, oh, good. I delete balls. <laughs> um, he says, this week's question I thought of while looking at my backlog list. And I noticed most of the games are RPGs. So the question is, what types of games do you play the most? Signed, Sasquatch. Thank you, James. Um, so... This one is definitely straightforward for me, and probably not surprising at all that it's first-person shooters. But I think it is a little more interesting than that, because that's actually not my favorite, which seems kind of contradictive. Why would I play a genre the most if it's not my favorite? Shooter is up there. I know it gets a, um, a lot of backlash, especially first-person shooter, which is definitely what I prefer. There's a third-person shooters I like and not being near the top as well. So it's third a lot of third-person shooters I like and really like. Gears is one of my favorite series of all time. But first-person shooters is what I prefer. But I do think it's interesting that's my most played and not necessarily my favorite because my favorite would be platformers, which if you paid attention to what, how I talked on here before, that wouldn't be too surprising. But the issue is platform games are not as consistent, especially in current day gaming, as shooters are. So, even though platforms are my favorite, I think shooters get amplified and played more because they're so much more consistent and so many more quality ones. And I think it's uh, even more interesting because my favorite game series of all time is Halo and that's a first person shooter. So I think it, again, it even kind of wraps all the way around. So that's what it is for me, even though shooter is definitely what I play most. Platformer is my favorite. But that can uh, take us into news here. There's actually a lot of news this week. So I'm going to try my best to uh, read better than I normally do. But hopefully this can be a, a meta New Year's resolution because it's something that I always struggle with reading on here. But this first one comes from Yahoo News. And this is a pretty interesting. I'll just get into it here. It'll make more sense if I read it. So it says, Somehow it's already been two decades since Microsoft first announced the Xbox. It's foray into console gaming. Specifically, the Xbox was unveiled at CES in 2001. To commemorate the launch, Bloomberg has published an in-depth oral history of how the console came to be. It's a fascinating read, which it is. It's very interesting. But one particular passage stands out. Details on Microsoft's effort to secure games for the brand new console. While the company implied implored third-party developers to work on the Xbox, Microsoft also considered using its um, considerable financial might to buy developers. And Microsoft said it's, set its heights high, approaching Nintendo about an acquisition. Microsoft was laughed out of the room, says Kevin Bacchus, a director for third-party relations on the Xbox project. They just laughed, oh wait, quote, they just laughed their asses off. Bacchus said to Bloomberg, quote, like, imagine an hour of somebody just laughing at you. That was kind of how the meeting went. And then the article, article continues here. Microsoft's specific pitch did make some sense, amount, 
some amount of sense at the time. Nintendo was lagging behind Sony badly from a hardware perspective. So Microsoft figured it could take on hardware production and leave Nintendo to focus on the software. We actually had, oh wait, here's a quote, sorry. We actually had Nintendo in our building in January 2000 to work through the details of a joint venture where we would give them all the technical specs of the Xbox. Said the head, head business of development, Bob McBean. The pitch was their, their hardware stunk and compared to Sony PlayStation, it did. So the idea was, listen, you're much better at the game portions of it with Mario and all that stuff. Mario and all that stuff. Why don't you let us take care of the hardware? But it didn't work out. Says uh, McBreen here. And it is McBreen. I think I said McBreen the first time. That stupid ass series. Mixed me up there. But that article. You should read the whole thing. Because it's on Bloomberg. And. I just thought the uh, Mario. The uh, Nintendo part was interesting. Which I'll get into in a minute here. But the whole article is super interesting and uh, gives you a lot of info you don't hear about and from like all the the OG Xbox creators like the uh, people who literally formed the branch at Microsoft and created the console. So I'd recommend reading the whole thing. I just don't want to read it out. That was already a lot of text and there's a whole lot of text in this episode with all this news that came out this week. But uh, I'd suggest reading the whole thing. But from what we read there the reason I read that is, for one, I think it's very funny how blunt they're being. You don't hear people that high up, like CEOs, talking about stories like that, especially talking about laughing their asses off and kind of just making fun of themselves, in a sense. So that was refreshing. Sorry, trying to adjust the volumes here. But uh, that was refreshing, and then... I think it's interesting that uh, they laugh their asses off at that because I think uh, I feel like this is a future everybody sees for Nintendo eventually is that they will step aside from consoles and their software is so profitable and so beloved and more known than anything Microsoft or Sony has ever done and probably ever will do. The people think this is kind of just a given, which it is possible. I'm not, I think eventually that is probably the outcome, but it's also hard to tell with how things are changing with streaming and all these services that eventually there might not be consoles and there might not be certain companies. So I don't know if that is even kind of a relevant point, but even if it is, it's also worth noting that people have been saying this for I remember at least three, probably more than that, but I was younger at the time, at least three Nintendo generations that they're going to step aside from hardware and focus on software. So I do think it's interesting, but I also don't know if that is the eventual outcome and just a given like a lot of people think. But it would be interesting, but I just thought that was a funny story and something like I said different than usual here, but I'd suggest reading the whole article on Bloomberg. And then this next one is also from Yahoo News. It's the biggest news of the week for sure. And it says, Disney has announced the return of Lucasfilm Games, which will be the official brand for all Star Wars games. The rebranding is both 
retroactive, and forward-looking. All previously released and future Star Wars games are now under the Lucasfilm Games umbrella. Disney has also altered the names of the Star Wars video game accounts on Twitter and Facebook to reflect the change. This announcement may also signal an end to Electronic Arts' exclusivity deal. The game publisher secured exclusive rights to produce Star Wars games back in 2013. However, the blog post unveiling Lucasfilm Games hinted that the exclusivity deal was ending. Star Wars veterans will recognize that Lucasfilm Games is not a new initiative, but rather a reconstruction of sorts. George Lucas founded a game studio called Lucasfilm Games back in 1982, which was eventually rebranded as Lucas Arts in 1990. That's a great year. That's when I was born. Lucas Arts was one of the great con- contributors to the golden age of adventure games in the late 80s to early 90s. During this period, Lucas Arts released hit after hit, nearly all of which are considered beloved classics now. Maniac Mansion, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, The Secret of Monkey Island, Full Throttle, Sam and Max, and Grim Fandango are all counted as some of the best games of all time. After Disney acquired Lucasfilm in 2012, it shut down LucasArts. From then on, all Star Wars games have been released through the video game giant Electronic Arts. Unlike the old Lucasfilm games, this new Lucasfilm games is a licensor and not a developer, meaning that Lucasfilm games well, won't make any titles on their own. Instead, it will, conti- it will continue hiring third-party companies tra- cr- to create Star Wars games that will adhere to the singular Star Wars canon. So, this will make more sense as we get into the other stories here. But one thing that I thought was interesting, everybody was freaking out about how this means um, LucasArts is back. Which I was confused because there's probably almost nobody worked at LucasArts that would be working on this now. Maybe a handful of people. But this was... Yeah, they shut LucasArts down in 2012. So I can't imagine too many people would still be working in Disney. Unless it is all moved over to different positions, which I'm sure some did, being a massive company like that. But I'm sure a lot of them didn't, and being a video game specific company, I'm sure a lot of them went into game development. I don't think they could really necessarily move to other parts of Disney. And I thought it was weird that people just assumed that that was going to be LucasArts. So it was this Lucasfilm game, so it clearly is a different thing. But I'll be honest with you. I was like, that's kind of a silly name, Lucasfilm Games. But then when I read this article, this is when I figured out that LucasArts was founded or uh, rebranded from Lucasfilm Games. That's what it originally was. So maybe I'm in out of the loop there. I did not know that. I'll be honest about that. So I thought that was interesting. And the more I thought about that anyways, even without that, I was like, maybe that's kind of unfair because... LucasArts, I feel like all of us are into games. That's so second nature. And like, yeah, that's, that's a good name. But if you really think about it, that name's not really any better than Lucasfilm Games. Both of them, if you just say them, aren't that great names. I think we just got one in our head and 
so it doesn't seem weird. But if you really think about them, both are kind of, kind of silly. But I think this one is really cool, especially knowing the history of LucasArts not being the original name of the company. But we'll get into the uh, next story here that connects to that, and it's from IGN. And it says, Machine Games, creators of Wolfenstein The New Order and Wolfenstein The New Colossus, and Bethesda are publishing, are partnering with Lucasfilm Games on a standalone Indiana Jones game to be uh, executive produced by Bethesda Game Studio director Todd Howard. An original post from Bethesda on Twitter includes a video that shows the word Machine Games, a Lucasfilm Games logo, and the iconic hat and whip. A StarWars.com post explains that the teaser may hold some clues, but does explain that the game will be set at the height of the career of famed adventurer, of the famed adventurer. With Bethesda soon to be owned by Microsoft, it's not clear if this will be the Xbox exclusive, timed or full, but it seems very likely that the game would launch into Game Pass with Microsoft looking with Microsoft looking for Bethesda games to be first, better, or best on Xbox platforms. We'll also be getting a new Indiana Jones movie in 2022, which will uh, conclude the character's story. It's due to be directed by Logan's James Mangold. So, a few things with this. Obviously, this is happening because of Lucasfilm Games rebranding because I guess I don't know I guess it is happening because of that but EA only had the rights to Star Wars so it's kind of weird that if Indiana Jones was this big of a property and this wanted that somebody scooped up that fast that somebody didn't talk to Disney about that I don't really know how that worked that's kind of weird I know there's been Indiana Jones games before but they've hasn't been in quite some time I am very cautiously optimistic about this. I think it's... Uh, I actually love Indiana Jones. I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen any of the newer ones. But I used to watch the old ones all the time because they're some of my dad's favorite movies. So I grew up watching them. They are a weird thing, though, that they're not like Star Wars or a lot of things where I kept up with it or even that I could tell you a lot about it. I just remember liking them. I couldn't tell you more than like the most generic things I just know at the time I really liked it. And this made me want to rewatch them, at least the ones I used to like, because I heard some of the newer ones were real bad. But I also am fucking horrified of spiders. I know this from my basic memory is that it's like caves and obviously exploring. I'm like, man, there's probably crazy amount of those fucking terrible things in there. But I might have to do it because I'm... I remember liking them, and also I have the nostalgia of watching with my dad and growing up. Um, so that's how I feel about that. And then as far as Machine Games developing it and Bethesda publishing it and Todd Howard being the executive producer, I am wondering what this game will be. You'd have to assume it would be a third-person adventure game, which I think would be the right call. But I think machine games seems like a weird choice because they're known for, for first-person shooters. We've obviously seen many times where 
just because a developer is known for something doesn't mean they can't do something else, even literally specifically this uh, exact scenario, like uh, Respawn being known for first-person shooter with Titanfall and Apex, and then doing Jedi Fallen Order, which I haven't played yet, but Cody, you know, has freaked out about it, and it's his game of the year, and he doesn't seem to be alone in how good that game is. So, or his favorite game from another year, because I think that was too old. But uh, we've seen that. We saw with uh, Gorilla, known for their history of Killzone, doing uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, which is another game. Again, I haven't played, but I love Killzone. And I heard that they transfer over, and a lot of people think Horizon's even better than Killzone. So I don't think it's impossible, and you could say many scenarios with this. Those two just lined up almost perfectly. So just because they're known for first-person shooters doesn't mean I think that they can't be good. I just think it seems like an odd choice. And then my worry, and I think it's the opposite for most people. I feel like this makes them more excited, is that Bethesda is publishing it, and that Todd Howard is the uh, director of it. I think he's, I said executive produced by, Bethesda, by Todd Howard, but executive produced by Bethesda Game Studios. Director Todd Howard, yeah, okay, it's all one sentence. I'm just messing shit up, but anyways, and my student, my issues with that, I don't think is what most people issue would be. I'm not a Bethesda hater. I think they make some amazing shit. I'm also not a Todd, Todd Howard hater. I know he's an internet meme, and even in our friend group, when we do our E3 parties that we've talked about on the podcast many times, it is a. Uh, it's a fucking show when he comes on. People hate him so much. And uh, I think it's funny. I don't care that other people hate him on him. But I've actually always liked him. I think he seems like a genuine guy. I think he's obviously very fucking talented. So it's not even the normal things. I hate Bethesda or I hate Todd Howard. Because I like both of them. But I think it's weird because I think Bethesda Game Studios is known for... Well, they're known for all kinds of things. But the fact that they're specifying as Todd Howard... I think he's known for a very specific kind of thing, and that's massive open worlds that are not linear at all. <clears throat> and I think that would excite most people with an Indiana Jones game, or any game in particular, because it seems like that's all anybody wants now with games. But like I talked about, I think there's far too many of those games, and I think that would be very weird with Indiana Jones. I think it should be a third-person adventure game, and people are mocking it, saying, well, then it's just like Uncharted or Tomb Raider, which is funny because those all kind of feed off each other because Uncharted um, or, yeah, Uncharted was inspired by Indiana Jones, and then Tomb Raider reboot was inspired by Uncharted, so it's all kind of forming off Indiana Jones. This wouldn't really be a knockoff. I think the only thing you can say is, is it overkill because we have multiple of those games but I think we have a lot less of those kind of games than we do massive open world games so I don't think so and I think those kind of games of that quality are few and far between if as long as this lines up with that so I don't think that's an issue and I think people uh, make the argument that that makes perfect sense to be a massive open world and to be non-linear because he is an, uh, a famed adventurer. 
but I think part of the adventure is like the set pieces and the craziness that happens and I don't think you can get that with an open world game that is non-scripted and non-linear and I think there's ways you could kind of morph both those not to make it actually open world but if you want to be a linear and tell a good story and have set pieces but also not feel linear I think you could do like Uncharted or Tomb Raider maybe to get a step farther where the storytelling and how the game actually works is linear but you get to certain points where you can explore and do more adventuring and I feel like that would be the best of both worlds we're going to have to wait a good amount of time on this they just showed a teaser trailer so I don't think this game is coming for quite some time but it'll be interesting to follow it and see and then it talked in here about how it's unclear if this game will be an Xbox exclusive timed or full but it seems likely that the game would launch into Game Pass I still stand by the fact that I don't think any of these Bethesda games are going to be exclusive I wouldn't blame Microsoft at all and I wouldn't even personally have an issue with it if any or all of these games are exclusive they paid a shitload of money and I think that gaming is getting far too away from exclusive and I think it's like a, a dirty word now I like a lot of the stuff that has brought games together. It's cool seeing what Phil Spencer has done. It's cool seeing like crossplay, all this stuff. I think there's a lot of things you can do that are positive, bring gaming together. But I think exclusive is a big part of it. And I think if we want consoles to stick around and we like these, then you need that. Or there's no reason to have other different consoles. It's everything is the same and just a different UI or something. That's not enough of a reason to buy a console. I don't think at least. But I don't really understand what the question is about if it'll come to Game Pass or not because this is a Microsoft Game Studio now and they announced at E3 that all Microsoft Game Studios will go to Game Pass. So I think that's a given unless I'm missing something there. And then the last thing is that I totally forgot there's a new movie coming out in 2022. Like I said, I haven't seen the last couple so that's probably part of the reason that I haven't been so keen on it. But hearing that it's from uh, the director of Logan, James Mangold, that uh, that gets me a little excited there. It makes me hope that it's as good as it can be. I think that's all my thoughts on it, if I'm not missing anything there. So we'll get into the next one, also from IGN here, and also connecting to that. And it says, Ubisoft is working on a story-driven open-world Star Wars games with... Star Wars game, not games, with Lucasfilm games. The, um, okay, we're going to start over here. I fucked this up and that was all on me. Ubisoft is working on a story-driven open-world Star Wars game with Lucasfilm games. The division developer Ubisoft Massive will develop the new game. According to Ubisoft CEO Yves Guillermot, it marks the start of a long-term, a quote, long-term collaboration with Disney. No other gameplay details have been announced, and Massive is, quote, actively re recruiting for the project. The game will utilize the, oh, there we go, I had it wrong here, utilize the Stardrop engine used for the Studios Division games. 
No indication has been given as to whether massive Star Wars game would be single or multiplayer, what part of the Star Wars timeline it would be part of, or when it might be released. Ubisoft CEO did give a small tease to Wired, saying the game will be an original, a quote, original Star Wars adventure that is different from anything that has been done before. An end quote. Lucasfilm also told Wired that all Disney games would con- would continue to be treated as canon alongside the film, TV, book, and uh, comic releases. Wired's report makes it clear that Disney will take pitches from company companies using companies on using Star Wars and other Lucas properties such as Indiana Jones. Although VP of Lucasfilm Games Douglas Riley made clear that Lucasfilm Games would have final approval on all projects. Massive has also been working on a Avatar game for several several years, which was recently delayed into 2022. So, getting into this one here. Um, again, I'm excited about all of this shit uh, to different degrees, and I have a lot of different views than other people, which I'll get more so into once we read the end of this. But I think uh, the division or massive making this again seems like an odd choice because the division, from what I heard, is uh, well, the division one kind of got mixed results, but the second one I've heard it fixed a lot of that and people really like it. And I've heard the world is cool, but the story doesn't seem like there's a whole lot there. So I think it's weird that they're emphasizing this is story driven when it seemed like they're a pitch developer that is not known for that. But I will be interested to see what they do, and I'm definitely cautiously optimistic. It said that they didn't say if it'll be single or multiplayer, or what part of the timeline it would be, or when it might be released. Probably a while away again. But it is saying here how it would be a an original Star Wars adventure that is different from anything that has done, been done before, which I think is very exciting. I'm curious to see what that means for that. I think that's probably the most exciting part of that because I love Star Wars, but I feel like they keep going to the same stories, which is cool to get more fill in there, but the universe is so massive that I think we... Massive. <laughs> um, that I think we need some other angles there. And then... I mentioned a while ago how I feel like there needs to be an Avatar game. There already was one before, and it actually wasn't bad, but Avatar should be the perfect setup for a game. It's like watching a game when you watch a movie, and I totally forgot this was announced and that uh, they were working on it. Um, I'm very excited, but uh, kind of the same way I am in the Avatar movies. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. But all my excitement has been killed. As soon as it comes out, I'll be so excited. But I have just heard every year, everybody knows how much I love it. They're, oh, you see uh, when Avatar's coming out? And just tell me this release date. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I, I learned my lesson with the first movie. I'm not going to fall for this trap again. And I know they said it's coming out. They already filmed it. I just keep hearing everybody talking about how many they filmed. And they got multiple movies lined up. And they just keep not happening. So until it comes out, I could care less. But once it does, I'll be excited. And same with this, ironically enough, the game also got delayed, which I'm sure part of that is that they want to be around the movies. 
which will hopefully, if they were already planning on releasing it and they did delay it because of the movie, that'll give them so much more time to add shit and polish it and make it more refined. I don't know how big Massive is. I think it is kind of interesting and weird, and hopefully not bad, that they're making two huge properties and two games that should be very important at the same time. And that's assuming they're not doing anything with Division, which I'd be surprised that they weren't. So I don't know if they're capable of doing all this, but I guess we'll see. But we'll be interested to keep an eye on that. And then this next one comes from Game Ra- Games Radar. Or Game Radar. I did, yeah, Games Radar, Jesus. I typed so many everything's wrong in here. But it says EA has told Games Radar that, it'll, that it's con- uh Collaboration with Lucasfilm Games will continue for years to come. For quote, years to come. In a statement from an EA spokesman, the publisher is keen to highlight its recent range of Star Wars games, saying, quote, EA are proud of our long-term standing collaboration with Lucasfilm Games, which will continue for years to come. Our talented teams have created some of the most successful Star Wars games in the history of Star Wars franchise including Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars Battlefront, and uh, and Battlefront 2, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, and Star Wars Squadrons. We love Star Wars and we look forward to creating more exciting experiences for players to enjoy. So that's the end of that whole saga of Lucasfilm Games and Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Um... My kind of overarching opinion and or views, whatever, on this is I'm ex- as excited as everyone or anyone for all this news. And even though I have concerns or um, worries about some of these games and what they're selecting with it, I'm still definitely more excited than anything. And, but in saying that, I think it's weird on multiple levels. There's this weird, very weird, and I think very unfair view about EA that gamers do. Like, I think we mentioned on the podcast before, but um, something like five years in a row now or something, EA has been voted the worst video or the worst company in America not the worst video game company even that would be ridiculous but that you'd be like, okay I get it I guess maybe I wouldn't but I guess I get how somebody else could think that but the worst company in America that's just straight up trolling do you know how many fucking terrible companies there are in America and then it makes it 10 times more trolly and or just straight up hypocritical or contradictory depending on how you look at it because if you ask these people that feel this way they'd be the same people like, oh yeah I buy Madden every year I mean it's fucking trash but I still buy it or they'd be a people like, yeah dude I love Battlefield I buy it every year and just talk, keep talking about all these EA games even Star Wars and like, yeah dude I play Battlefront they fucked it up but I bought Battlefront and Dude, I bought Giant File on Order. It's fucking awesome. Okay, so where, where is this company terrible? You like Plants vs. Zombies? You like Peggle? What, what do you like? Or you just really don't like any of these? 
Or if you're going to say they're terrible because how they handle things, their microtransactions or the things they do, then part of that is on you. Well, all of it is on everybody for supporting that. if you don't, they wouldn't do it. But I get that that's easier said than done. You can only control for yourself. But even if you don't want to take it that far, it's still on you whether you want to support that just in the moment or not. I don't buy any of, any of that nonsense, and it is your own fault if you do that. But even then, if that's your approach, EA is not the only one that's done that. So I think there's this very weird view and outlook on EA that I don't think is fair at all. And I think that that goes into Star Wars. I think you saw it come out the most with this announcement because it was just a fucking hailstorm of Disney saving Star Wars and how EA has done nothing with it. And it's about time that somebody saves it. Which I think is, like I said, just a prime example of how unfair this EA thing is. Because I think people have a, a skewed history of reality with this. There's uh, tons of Star Wars games that I love. Me and Cody have mentioned multiple on here. From when LucasArts was around. And apparently LucasFilm games, but that wasn't my time. That are definitely fun, but there's also some fucking horrendous Star Wars games in, mixed in there. And I think people just look at those good ones, and I think that that's all they think about with Star Wars. And they just talk about EA has not, done nothing. Even though, if you look at, they've had the property, I think, for seven years now, if I'm remembering right. And they put out Star Wars Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront 2, Star Wars Squadrons, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And then, i got to be honest, I fucking forgot about this Galaxy game they're talking about. But with the exception of that, and I think that's a mobile game. I think that has been very successful. And a lot of people like it. That's just not my scene, my scene at all. All those games have been good to amazing. Not just my personal opinion, because I haven't even played Squadrons or Fallen Order. But Metacritic-wise, none of their games have reviewed poorly. And then, more importantly, what companies care about, none of those have sold poorly. And they've sold quite the opposite of that. So... I think it's weird because people talk about how they saved it, but what are they saving? Because they made nothing but quality, made different degrees, and of course not everybody's going to like it. But some people must like it, and if they didn't, then why are people still buying it? Sure, maybe you didn't like Battlefront, but then why do you buy Battlefront 2 even more than Battlefront? Why do you keep buying other Star Wars games? And I think Battlefront is an example of that as well. Because I'll be honest, uh, I like Battlefront a lot, the new ones. But man, this is so different. It kind of has like the baseline of Battlefront there, but this isn't Battlefront. But I think if you, if they literally put out Battlefront 3, because there's the two original Battlefronts, and this kind of like a reboot, I think that's where our history can mess with this again. Because if they put out Battlefront 3, even if it had modern mechanics and some new things in it, that game, I think, would have been fucking destroyed because everybody would be like, it's so outdated. They don't have any of my Call of Duty-isms in there. This game's trash. 
and then they make it more modern but oh give me the old battlefront so i think this is a prime example of we talked about a few times of people not knowing what they want the old henry ford quote of uh if he asked his customers what they would want they would say more horses before there's cars because what's in front of you and what you can see is you just always want a better version of that but i don't think that's always what people want i just don't think they know it and then i think the one argument you could make and even that i think is weird is that the amount of star wars games we've gotten there could have been more but in that time frame that doesn't seem like that few of games to me but even if you want to say it is i think that's weird because all the people that are like yes now we get all these star wars games and all these announcements are pouring in but oh my god this is exactly what ea messed up gives us all the star wars games we need more star wars are the same people oh man they're ruining star wars they're just announcing movie after show after movie after show and oh give us more star wars games we need endless star wars what what do you people actually want here i'm i don't really get it anymore and i'm somebody that i think uh the movies and shows have all been great or good to different degrees again not everybody's gonna personally like them but i think it'd be hard to say and he's just terrible completely so i don't as long as it's quality i don't care so I'm okay with more games. I just think that people are so contradicted with what they talk about and that nothing really ends up making any sense. And I do think taking the approach of letting uh, pitching, letting companies pitch it to Disney, I think that's a good idea because what game company wouldn't want to pitch their idea to Disney with all the properties they have and even Star Wars alone, but all the other properties. And I think it's even smarter that it says that Lucasfilm Games will have the final say, so you're not going to get Disney, at least hopefully not. I think they're going to have some say more than that, but you're not going to get them just, oh, this is a money grab, let's take it. I think it's going to be like collaboration to get quality, and that's coming from somebody that I don't think EA was making trash, but I think this could only help. And... Everybody took, of course, approach that EA is out of it now and they don't need them, which EA is one of the biggest publishers and um, developers, whatever you want to say, in gaming. So knocking them out, I think, would be a, a big fallback. The thing I like about this is that even though I think EA was doing a good job, I think competition is always a good thing. So I didn't get another developers and putting pressure on EA even though I don't think they're doing a bad job, I think it could only make them better. I think pushing EA away and only letting other companies do it would have been a mistake. I think that's what gamers for some reason, well, they think they want. If uh, they don't get a Jedi Fallen Order 2 or Battlefront never happens again, or they never get a Squadrons again, I think they uh, might change their tone on that. And then when we're getting Ubisoft games and we're getting a Star Wars that's... Uh, a skin of the division, which I'm not saying we are, and I'm sure that'd be okay, but hopefully it'll be more than that. But theoretically, if that's what you're getting, and they'd be like, man, remember when we used to get Fallen Order and the Battlefront games and Squadrons? So I think there's a, a fine line there, but I think definitely competition's only gonna make it better. And I think the fact that they're, of course, not pushing EA away because they know the massive moneymaker has been 
and how big they are is only going to benefit them. So that's how I feel about it. I think this is the biggest news we've had in a while, and I don't think I did the best job covering it. And like normal, I kind of go back and forth, but I try my best. So let me know what you guys think of all the EA news and Star Wars and all this jazz because uh, I'm excited. I'm uh, definitely cautious about some of it, but definitely very optimistic. Um, sorry, I was looking because I feel like I'm missing some of the Star Wars here. Just like one, something I wanted to say, but maybe I'll talk about another episode. But that's the end of that, so we'll get into the last couple bits of news, and these are more downer news here. Oh, I remember. I'm just going to cover it now. But this deal with EA doesn't actually end until 2023, I think it was. So even with all these game announcements and everybody's getting excited, we're years away, I think, from seeing any of these games. Well, I think we we have to be. So as exciting as it is, I think we're a while away, but we'll see. Um, so these next two come from IGN and they're both, um, delays in a way. One is more obvious and way more depressing, but the first one says the long awaited console edition of face punch studios, rust. I had no idea that was their developer's name has been rated by the ESRB for Xbox one and PS4. The long awaited console edition of face punch studios, rust has been uh, was announced at my article got messed up here. Let's see. Sorry. Gonna find it. Don't you worry. I definitely just doubled what I had in there instead of putting the other part. All right. Yeah. Here it is. The announcement that. Rust will be coming to consoles in November of 2019 came during the XO19 conference with a planned release date of 2020. The popular survival game slipped outside of that window with Port Studio Double Eleven shifting elements towards 2021 in a December 2020 update. So this is a delay in that sense because... When I saw this, I was like, wait, rated by the US ESRB? This isn't like a leak. We already knew this was coming. But I forgot that it was uh, announced to be coming in November of... Or uh, announced in November 2019 with the 2020 release date. So this game got delayed without me even knowing. But uh seems to be on the way. I know... I think Cody likes Rust a lot. I know it's a big deal. I never played it, but maybe that would get me to try it coming to console. But this next one is a much more straightforward delay and very depressing for me. This was uh, high on my most anticipated games list. And that is, this is another one from IGN. Harry Potter RPG Hogwarts Legacy has been delayed into 2022 in order to give the game the time it needs. Quote. In a statement on Twitter, a spokesman, spokesman explained... We would like to thank fans from around the world on a tremendous reaction to the announcement of Hogwarts Legacy from our Portkey or Portkey Games label, creating the best possible experience for all the Wizarding World and game fans, and uh, is paramount to us. So we are giving the game 
the time it needs. Hogwarts Legacy will be released in 2022, end quote. The open world action RPG set in the world of Harry Potter during the late 1800s was announced at last year's September PS5 event with a reveal, tra- re- reveal trailer ending on a 2021 release window. A teaser showed off custom characters in Hogwarts, teasing magic lessons, uh, Quidditch, uh, potion brewing, the sorting hat ceremony, and more. So this game, of course, like it says, was supposed to come in 2021. We don't get it till 2022. That's very sad. Um, I know everybody says uh, they're never have issue with delay, and they'll always take that over a bad game. Of course, I would too. I think some of the time it doesn't automatically be a bad game, just because they're delaying it. I think it could just line up better financially. It could uh, make it a little more polished, but I don't think it makes a bad game. Um, I think with a delay this long, you can maybe say that the game needed it because that's uh, an entire year at minimum. But if that's the case, I'm kind of confused why they would say 2021 to begin with because... They announced it in September 2020 with a trailer ending with a 2021 release date. So months later, it went from being out that year to it needing to be out another whole year after that. I just feel like I don't necessarily have an issue with the delay. I just don't know why they put out 2021 and... If they did that fast, why they didn't already know that? That just seems kind of like poor planning or management. Management. Obviously, I have no insight, but that just seems kind of weird to me. But on a different note, I'm just sad because I wanted to play it. I'm so excited, which I think that's what uh, I feel like that's where people get mixed up and they just say that they just have to be okay with the delay. I think there can be some middle ground there. Yes, I guess that's best for the game, and that's good, but also it can suck at the same time. Then there was one more bit of news, and that is that the uh, new Pokemon Snap Switch game got another trailer and a release date of April 30th, which was uh, also very high on my most anticipated games list. I can't fucking wait. I'm super excited this trailer got me more excited because it showed more of what I was worried about is if they would keep with the um, tradition of Pokemon Snap or the one game there was of being on rails which definitely just seems like it does and that you don't need all these crazy mechanics it doesn't seem like they're doing that it can be very simplified and then the cool easter eggs in between there to make your pictures flow more and get more points and it seems like they understand that so a lot of my worry has gone away the only worries I have that still persist are that I don't think they should completely change it I don't think they need all these things but this game was so of its time and so old now that I hope it feels still feels good but I still, I definitely prefer that over them 
completely changing it and making it something different than it was before. So I will definitely take that. And then the issue I always have with anything Pokemon now is that I haven't really cared about Pokemon since generation two, maybe into three. So as much as I still love Pokemon for what I remember, Pokemon is so different now. And that's why I couldn't keep playing Pokemon Go. Sorry, my uh, PC did the uh, thing that always happened to me and Cody, the PS3 updating. But um, that's always my issue is that when all the Pokemon are there that I know and love, it feels so nostalgic and perfect and hits all, all the right spots. But when it starts flooding me with all these Pokemon, I have no fucking clue and they look so uncreative and not unique at all. That's where it loses me. So that's still my biggest worry. But the fact that we're this close to especially all these delays happening, assuming this doesn't get delayed, I'm very excited for. So that's all for news this week, which would take us into media pickups normally, but I do not have any this week. So we'll get into what I've been playing, which was a whole lot of Madden. I had a a group of friends come over after the Mavericks game, and we had a good old-fashioned Madden tournament just for fun, but it was a lot of fun. And then I've been playing a lot of MCC as usual, the Master Chief Collection. I feel I should probably say that sometimes. That is always an MCC. Um, been playing campaign with a few different people co-op and a whole lot of multiplayer alone and then with other people. Obviously, saying friends, it's always with other people as multiplayer. And then I try to play more of Call of the Sea, the game that I was streaming on Extra Life last time. And I had planned to beat. And I was going to beat it now since I didn't stick with my goal there. But I was getting this weird bug. I thought it was my new controller, which if you're watching the video here, this guy that I showed you. I thought it was that because it would just continually disconnect. So, it's, of course, at first I thought it was batteries. I put new ones in. It wasn't that. I thought maybe it need resynced. Tried that 10 different times, tried taking the batteries out, and just over and over, like every five seconds, it will say the uh, controller disconnected and then re not restart itself, but resync, and then just do that over and over. And it's not the controller though, because when I play anything else, it doesn't do it, so it must be some crazy ass bug. So I'm gonna go back to it. If it keeps being persistent, this is just a game I'm gonna have to give up on. But I wasn't that far from beating it, and I don't know my feelings for sure about it, but I know the world intrigued me. So I wanted to finish it. But if it's like that, I have no choice. I'm not going to finish. I fucking play that nonsense. But uh, we'll see. Hopefully that's not a persistent issue. Then I played some more uh, Planet Coaster Console Edition. I'm loving the game. I just haven't played enough of it. And I could tell even uh, the amount of time that I wasn't playing it. How I started to forget things, so I need to go back to him and play some more. And then me, Cody, and James were playing some Warhammer 2 or Warhammer Vermintide 2, and that game is awesome. It's uh, it's older now, and I never played the first one, but it's like Left 4 Dead, so it's like four-player wave-based 
uh, co-op, and we just had three of us, but you can't play up to four. And it's like War of the Rings style as far as the uh, aesthetic and the creatures and the weapons. But it was a shitload of fun. It's very graphic, very violent, but so cool. Um, I want to play more of it. It seems like something could get repetitive, but I think that would be the only real knock. And the fact that there's... This isn't really a knock because the game wasn't going for this. But the world just seems so cool and so fleshed out that I wish there was a, a campaign and story because it just seems so awesome. And then me and Cody played a little more Anthem. I want to try and get that done. We started that a while ago and started doing co-op. Now it's supposed to be a co-op game and try and work on our backlog. And I always have fun when I play that game. So I want to do that. I uh, played a little bit of NHL. And then I started Gears 5 High Busters because that was another thing that I needed to get done and didn't. And it's so short from what I hear. But I think after I played a little bit of that, I think Cody got on and we switched to one of the other games. So I didn't want to just be playing a game by myself when other people can be playing. And then the only other thing I played was uh, a whole lot of Minecraft Dungeon with Cody, James, sometimes Derek, sometimes Pete. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm not a Minecraft fan. I think it's a... This is an example of what I talked about. I think it's one of the... Best games ever. The original Minecraft. And one of the most unique... Important games in gaming history. But I fucking personally hate it. But I think people can't separate... What they like. With what quality is. Or what is important. And I think this game... So clearly important and well made and well done. But Minecraft Dungeons is like a Diablo, which if you never played Diablo, it's like a, a dungeon crawler, hence uh, Minecraft Dungeons. And it's like a light version of <coughs> Diablo, which I like Diablo from what I played, but it's definitely a lot more hardcore and a lot more you gotta figure out. This seems a lot more simplified, and obviously the aesthetic is way more simplified and cutesy then something like Diablo so I'm really enjoying it though I didn't expect this I remember them announcing E3 and I was like okay I don't care I don't think I'd play it if I was playing alone I think I'd get incredibly bored but I think it's a perfect party game to be playing with people but I think that's all for me this week what have you guys been playing I said I'm genuinely curious to hear what you guys have been playing because uh, I want to make this more of a back and forth and sometimes it's cool when you guys say stuff that I'm not thinking about or saying things that I haven't heard of. So let me know. And then what I've been watching this week is <clears throat> some football uh, continues to be fucking terrible. So we'll move on from that. I will talk about uh, Urban Meyer getting hired as the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. Um, I'm very intrigued to see how this goes. I don't think it's a slam dunk, but I think it's definitely a potential home run. I know that was two different analogies and didn't really make sense, but here we are. Um, because it's not one-to-one -one that a great college coach will transfer to the NFL, but it's also doesn't mean that they can't. So I'll be curious to see how it goes. The Jaguars are always a team that I never had any reason to hate and were always uh, one of the secondary teams I'd root for if the Broncos weren't playing. So this only amplifies that with Urban Meyer being the coach. I'll be rooting for him like crazy. 
I will say that I predicted this would happen, not being a know-it-all or acting like I had some inside info because I didn't think it would happen until I heard the rumors. So it came from other people. But I will say that every other rumor that's happened, him going to Michigan, him going to USC, Texas, there's been multiple NFL rumors. I was like, that's not going to happen. It makes no sense. And none of them happened. And this one I said it would, or I thought it would, and it did. So my next prediction that went along with this is that they're going to Justin Fields with the first overall pick because it's a, a layup. There's no way it won't be Trevor Lawrence, everybody says. But I don't see a way that Urban Meyer, the person that wanted Justin Fields, would take somebody over him. It's not just that he's from Ohio State, so you had to take a Ohio State player. I think that it seems weird that if he wouldn't because of how he views him as a player aside from all Ohio State things. Now I see the Ohio State connection just amplifies that. And I think that would actually be the smarter pick. I think he's going to be a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. We'll see. I could be dead wrong. I think it will take a while to see because I think even if he is a better quarterback than Lawrence, Lawrence has two and a half, three years more experience in uh, college football than Justin Fields. So I wouldn't be shocked at first if Trevor Lawrence is better. And then people overreact and talk about how the Jaguars didn't know what they were doing. But I think with the amount of time, and time will tell, that Justin Fields will end up being a better quarterback. But I'm just going to say that here now. That I think they'll draft him because I would have said this about Urban Meyer, but um, we didn't talk about it or we didn't have time to by the time this news broke. And I told people I kind of want these to be a time cap, not to be a know-it-all, to go back and look and be like, shit, did I really think that? It'd be interesting and then see the times I was right and what I thought about those. Um, he's getting a lot of a lot of hate from Ohio State fans because they say he abandoned them because he retired in uh, 2018 from Ohio State because of health issues. And now two years later, He's coaching, or a little late, a little longer than two years later. He's coaching the NFL, so people just thought it was BS. But I think there's a couple things there. I think the stress level for the NFL, even though it's a higher level, is not nearly as stressful as college with all the recruiting you have to do and how at a program like Ohio State, maybe a low program, it wouldn't be this way, but a program like Ohio State, where it's like fucking in people's blood and it's their life, that that's way more amplified than majority of, if not all of NFL coaching. Especially when you're talking about college football. Because if you lose one game, you might be out of playoffs. You might have no chance. And that might be the end of the end of your season. The NFL, you can lose six, seven games, still be in the playoffs. Or you could be like the uh, NFC East and lose most of your games and get in the playoffs, I guess. And I said how I think that college is more stressful, especially if you look at how high Ohio State is in college football. And I think the comparable ones in the NFL would be like the big pro or the big teams there, the Steelers, the Cowboys, all like the historical teams. 
I think one of the lowest, most stressful, or least stressful jobs would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think that played a part in it. I think Florida is a very relaxed place to begin with. I think the fact that he coached in Florida with the Gators also has a connection there and also make it easier. And I think this is only a, a winning potential because not as far as record, but for him. Because even if he's a complete bust in the NFL, that shouldn't take away what he's done in college football and he should still be a great thought of as a great coach. Just like Nick Saban is. People seem to have a short-term memory on that, but he's pretty not good in the NFL, and now people say he's the best college coach of all time and one of the best coaches, period, and they just removed that part of history when they talk about him. So that shouldn't really matter as far as his history. And then it's only upside, I think, because if he does good, most people didn't expect it, and he did it with a team that is traditionally not good. And if he doesn't, I don't think he should be judged for that, but in my opinion aside, the Jacksonville fans are, I think, some of, generally, obviously you have some people anywhere that are hardcore fans, and I hate when people say that, like, about the Blue Jackets, but it's true overall if you look at the Jaguars. The majority of them are casual fans and people that are not committed. So if he does terrible, it fizzles out, I think, and there's not crazy media pressure and all the stuff that happened in New York or Dallas or these places. So I don't see a really bad scenario. And I think it's fucked up how people are giving him issues for the health reasons, for multiple reasons, because when he left Florida in 2011, all the Florida fans did the same thing because that same year he signed with Ohio State, the same year he left Florida, he signed with the highest state, I should make clear. Um, Florida fans said how, because he retired there because of health issues, but then re-signed, or signed with another team the same year. And they said it was obviously BS, and he was just trying to get out of Florida because he wanted to go to Ohio State because of his Ohio connections. And I don't think that's true. I think he was genuinely retiring because of his health issues. And then a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity came up like Ohio State that Nobody thought I'd be available for quite some time because of Jim Trussell and what he was building until all that bullshit happened and he shouldn't have been fired anyways. But he was, and I think he saw once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, even if it maybe did mess with his health. I know he said that he felt better, but I'm sure part of that was like kind of separating parts of the brain to go, no, I, I am okay. You're kind of lying to yourself because you know this is an opportunity you might never get again. And now it seems to be repeating with Ohio State, which I think Ohio State fans would understand better than anybody. Be like, okay, that's kind of messed up. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Because he retired in 2018 with health issues, which for one, I don't think he would have retired if there wasn't all the nonsense. I don't think he would really retired. I think he kind of was pushed out, which already shouldn't have happened. And even if it was health issues, I think it was amplified because of everything that was going on, not because of the football itself. So, I feel like Ohio State fans would understand that, and I think they would put two and two together to see the stress level of Ohio State, and especially Ohio State with everything going on then, is uh, pretty astronomical compared to what you get with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I'd definitely be interested to follow it. 
And then been watching the CBJ. Um, Blue Jacket fans are some of the worst fans. They're loyal. They're crazy. But kind of like I feel about Ohio State fan. Ohio State fans are so negative and so privileged somehow, even though all they talk about is how our history is terrible. But somehow they expect nonstop winners at all time. Because if you watch these games that they've been playing, or this game they've been playing so far, um, they're playing well. The only thing that's not going well so far is goals, which I know you might be like, okay, that's what you need in hockey. But it's also pretty crucial to not give up a lot of goals. And their goalie has been, or their goalie play has been some of the best in the league. Their defense has been near the top of the league. And they have the potential to get scores or goals. They have crazy talent. They just need to make it happen. It's not like they don't have anybody on the team that can do it. They just need to actually start doing it. And I just think it's a extreme overreaction. I think if this continues half the season, maybe you start worrying about that more. But when that's your only issue, and traditionally your franchise history, you always talk about how we never had solid goalie and we never had real defense, and now we have that, and you're like, yep, the team sucks. And also, I don't know how long these people have been Blue Jacket fans because this, the way they've played recently, people would take this in a second if you're a longtime Blue Jacket fan. So I have a lot more optimism than most people, but I usually do with my sports teams, and I don't think it's fake. I think I judge fairly. The only thing I think is a huge issue is Pierre Dubois. I think he's being a total bitch. I think uh, they need to trade him as fast as they can. You can't... <clears throat> um, you need to make sure you get something back for him. You can't just force it out because there's an issue. Because he's too talented as much as he's annoying me and I think he's being a baby. You need to get something back for somebody of that talent. But if somebody doesn't want to be here, then that's only going to bring the team down. And we're going to see in interviews, the coach is going to get more mad, John Torrella, the players are going to start feeling it. And it's just going to get worse and worse. And Blue Jack fans are doing this weird thing again that they've done with every player has left us where – they talk about, well, yeah, why would you think they want to be here? Look how you guys are treating them when they talk about leaving. And I'm fucking, I'm so over that. And I kind of got it the first couple times it happened. I was like, yeah, that's true. Maybe they're not gone yet. Maybe do everything you can to keep them. But when are we going to learn a lesson? We've done this with countless players and all of them still leave. It doesn't matter how good you treat them. At first, it was the our franchise had no history. They're new. Obviously, that changed because they're not new. They have history. It was that we were never successful. The past decade, we've been one of the most successful teams in the NHL. It was that we were cheap and we would never pay for players. We've tried to get bigger contracts than these teams have offered. So, there's no real excuse. A lot of the Players went out because not a big city or that they don't have the spotlight. All these reasons are just becoming bullshit. And 
I'm done catering to people that don't want to be here. That's like somebody cheating on you and being like, well, I think we should try and, uh, he was trying to do it again with somebody else. And then obviously you should still give the new person a chance. You shouldn't just assume they're going to cheat on you because this is a completely different person. But when they start doing all the same traits that led to somebody cheating on you, it kind of is on you to realize those exact same signs are happening and to just be like, well, maybe it'll be different this time. And then, sure, maybe once you wouldn't, you know, hell, wow, I did that again. I'm kind of stupid. But you think that like the eighth time, maybe like, oh, yeah, maybe don't just pour nothing but love and respect when this player is giving nothing but the opposite of that, especially when this player was around for all these other players leaving and talked about how frustrating it was and how they believed in Columbus and they're committed to it. And then not even a year later, they're in the same boat doing the same exact shit. And then Blue Jack fans somehow defend it. And say you're not a Blue Jacks fan and you're trying to run him out of the city. No, it's it's just enough of this. There's no reason a player shouldn't want to play here anymore. And if they don't, that's on them. I think the Blue Jacks are still going to make the playoffs this year. I hope they do without his ass. And eventually this is going to start getting into the players more. I know people, well, players don't care about this, just fans. If you work at a career, even just a regular job, if you were getting people that were talented and you got along with and they consistently left, that would be a bummer. But when you're doing it on a team where it's essential for teamwork and it's a career at the highest level, I think that would uh, start to get annoying when you know that you're on the cusp of a Stanley Cup, like the highest level of what you're doing, and you keep losing that because everybody's leaving you, and then you go, well, you're just taking that personal. But like I said, I think that comes down to your point of playing the game. And I think that at all these press conferences where they're asking questions and they already get dumb and annoying questions, when the main question you'll probably be getting is about another player that's leaving, that's going to start affecting those players. And they go, why the hell? Why am I even here? What? Why am I playing? You guys are just worried about this guy that doesn't want to be here and we already don't really want him here and we're trying to do our thing. So I think it's just a recipe for disaster. And I hope they get rid of him as fast as they can. Assuming you get something back, like I said, even though I think that's an issue, he still is very talented, which is the most unfortunate part because if he could just stop being a bitch, then this could be different. But if he's not going to be get something for him and get him out of here because there's no reason anybody shouldn't want to play for the Blue Jackets anymore. So I'll leave at that um, more of an aggressive note than normal. But uh, let me know what you guys have been watching this week or if you've uh, been following any sports or um, yeah. So we're getting to the reminder for the free games here. So on Xbox, you have the original Xbox starting January 16th to the 31st. You have Breakdown on 
You only got like a day left. Xbox 360, the King of Fighters 13 till January 15th. So depending on when this actually goes up, it'd be like a day. Or if it goes up on time, it'd be like a day left. And then Dead Rising until, or starting January 16th till February 15th. Xbox One, you have starting January 16th till, or no, sorry, starting uh, December 16th and going till January 15th, so another one that could be a cutoff. It is Bleed 2, and then still an Xbox One, Little Nightmares, until January 31st. On PlayStation Plus, you have Shadow of the Tomb Raider and Greedfall until February 1st, and Maneater on PS5 till February 1st as well. So, that takes us to the end of the show. No fake outrage this week, sadly. I know it's been a lot of that recently, so I guess we need more fake outrage in the world. So, uh, yeah, hope you guys liked it. I know it's a bit rambly. I know uh, the news. I need to get better at this nonsense. Let me know if you guys have any tips for me. Um, if you want to follow us, you can do, as always, on Twitter, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at Current Backlog. And you can email any questions, questions, or feedback to currentbacklars at gmail.com. Thanks for watching. Cody will be back next week. Episode 50. Let's do it.